politics without the soap opera with unfiltered constitutional conservative truth. The Conservative Review with Daniel Horowitz. And welcome back, fellow American patriots and Minutemen standing at the ready to fight anew for our right to survive as human cells. It's that simple. That's all we ask. We're not even on to life, liberty, and property here anymore at Blaze Media. Uh, See our podcast, by the way, Daniel Horowitz, back here, brand new week for Monday, the 13th of February. We are just fighting for survival. The Super Bowl might be over, but the Super Bowl for human survival is just beginning. This is our Super Bowl week. The rise of the Fourth Reich confronting COVID fascism with a new Nuremberg trial. Uh, It's pretty much just shipping today. The release date is tomorrow. Please pick up a copy and a spare. One for you, one for your elected representative. This is the fight. When I wrote this book, I never expected it to be needed. I thought if a fraction of the information on the death and mayhem that government didn't just accidentally release it, but they purposely promoted and mandated this private uh, product and absolved it of liability like nothing else in the history of humankind. And it killed millions of people just in the first Two years. How is this not the biggest issue? We need to make it the biggest issue. It is shocking how you could live through this. And no one cares. And as I keep noting, (laughs) this is a glimpse into everything else. Everyone keeps asking, Danny, what do you think about the Chinese balloons or all these things? They, They shot down four things so far. Here's the problem. If our own government could lock us down, mask us, inject us with stuff, kill millions of people, remdesivir is still around, they block treatment. There's quite literally nothing they cannot do to us legally, and there's quite literally nothing they won't do to us morally. So when it comes to questions of foreign policy, I have no idea of knowing. Is the government doing this and they're making it up and lying about it? Or... Is China doing it, and they allowed China to basically control our airspace? It's one of the two. And either one is insane, but not nearly as insane as what we know they're doing domestically to us. So that's why I can't really get excited about it until I know more details, other than to say, of course, it's a big problem. I agree it's a big problem. Heck, even Democrat uh, Jim Hines, or Himes, ranking member of the House Intel Committee, I have real concern about why the administration is not being more forthcoming with everything it knows. But, well, what does that say for an administration that not only knowingly poisoned people in the past, they just placed this death shot on the child immunization schedule. The biggest news of the week last Thursday, I didn't even realize until almost a day later it happened, and it's a complete blackout. And it's for good reason. So we're going to delve into that and more today. First off, speaking of taking your own health into your own hands, um, I must say, you know, I suffer from other genetic things, but uh, hair loss is not one of them, but many men do. And and it's a big problem, and some people suffer from it in their 20s and 30s or even earlier. You don't have to choose between better hair growth and your health. Nutrafol 
has you covered with a holistic solution for men that promotes both healthier hair and whole body wellness. So it doesn't have any poisonous chemicals and drugs in it. Um, I, I must say, this is actually a big problem of the spike protein. Uh, a lot of people are experiencing hair loss after getting uh, COVID, uh, thanks to our government poisoning us. Nutrafol is the number one dermatologist-recommended hair growth supplement. Uh, it's clinically shown to improve your hair growth thickness and visible scalp coverage. All those driveways opening up in the front of your hair, you could close them up with Nutrafol. Um their hair growth uh, nutraceuticals go beyond genetics to multi-target the root causes of thinning, includes stress, hormones, nutrition, um, metabolic issues, aging, and lifestyle through whole body health. Physician formulated using natural medical-grade ingredients. Um, so again, it's drug-free, patented technology, provides consistent, reliable results. Um, in a clinical study, men showed progressive improvement in hair growth and thickness after three to six months. And also Nutrafol is is trusted, recommended by over 3,000 top doctors. You can grow thicker, healthier hair and, and support our show by going to Nutrafol.com slash men. Okay, Nutrafol.com slash men. We all know what a man is. And entering the promo code CRs in conservative review to save $15 off your first month subscription that's the best offer anywhere. And again, it's only available to our customers for a limited time, plus free shipping on every order. So again, $15 off at Nutrafol.com slash men. N-U-T-R-A-F-O-L dot com slash men, promo code C-R. So folks, it reminds me of, again, this this old, there was this old news service that they would report the news, very like matter-of-factly, and then they would proceed to take off their clothes as they're talking. And that's what's like, yeah, 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 this thing causes blood clots and heart attacks, excess deaths, reproductive issues. Yeah, it killed millions of people. Even the government basically admits the top lines of everything we're saying so far. Oh, and, and actually, it's going to be an annual shot. Oh, and, you know, it's going to be placed on the child schedule. Like, wait, what? What just happened? Wait. For a variant formulation that no longer exists, for a virus that was never harming children, that most children already got, or nearly all children got, for something that doesn't work as negative effective a million times over. The clinical trials themselves showed severe adverse events, but it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter because we could continue passing around information. But if we don't force a political resolution on this, nothing will happen. And it's an utter disgrace how we still have to struggle in the reddest of states just to to have what I call don't tase me bro legislation. You know that means defensively, we're not even not even the bills to take it off the market just to say don't mandate it. We have mandated mandated on children. So to me, I think we need to blow this up in every legislature that they put the po most poisonous shot of all on the child immunization schedule and use that as an impetus. Now, we're not only going to fight the COVID shot, but now we need to fight the entire premise of the CIS. And we're now coming for your other garbage products as well. Because remember, the same principle applies that you can never, ever, ever 
mandate someone inject a biologic product in their body to so-called protect you. That is not moral, nor is it scientific, because you yourself, if you think it works, go get it. Moreover, there's another layer here. See, normally, the more you, the government indulges something, the more they should be on the hook for liability. Here they're like, oh, it's part of the child immunization schedule, therefore no liability. Wait, 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 so you're making this like a standard procedure of life. This is a schedule that we're going to recommend imbue in all areas of culture, school, healthcare, that children at this schedule get this, get that, get this, get that. Ever-growing list. How is that moral? And again, I don't even know much about the other shots, but just a cursory glance. Hep B is an STD. They take the kid from day one, and then two more shots later on. It was approved, and we now know, thanks to Aaron Siri, based on like 130 individuals looked out after for five freaking days. No control group, no follow-up. We know rubella. That shot is very problematic. The R of the MMR. And the virus is only a problem to fetuses. Why is everyone given that? We know mumps now, at a minimum, all of the outbreaks we've had over the last 10 years have been among the vaccinated. What's up with that? My whole life, I thought that was like the best shot ever. Diphtheria is a very problematic shot. No one will tell you otherwise. It's obsolete. Why do we even... There's no need for it. No one will tell you there's a need. Why, anytime someone wants a tetanus shot, do they have to have the D on there? Pertussis. Oh, Daniel, that's a problem. Whooping cough. Yeah. And we now know, thanks to a paper Fauci wrote, I mean, we don't know from him, but he wrote, there's negative efficacy associated with all viral vaccines, respiratory viral vaccines. Whooping cough is no different. The flu shots are problematic. Which ones are okay? I don't know. We need to get to the bottom of this. We need a national commission and a state commission. And we need to push this in every state to review everything on that schedule. But how a red state could allow the government to put this on the schedule? And what are you going to do about it? Only about a dozen states have robust religious exemptions that are robust enough. And then two of them have zero. West Virginia and Mississippi. So in West Virginia, we have SB 535 that introduces the concept of a philosophical exemption. There's a number of other bills in the Health Human Services Committee in the House. And Delegate Amy Summers is holding up every single bill. She's a nurse. A wet nurse or a dry nurse, I don't know. But she's a nurse. The Republicans in deep red states are to the left of even Democrats nationally, because nationally, there's more attention. In these deep red states, no one focuses on the legislatures. And these guys are horrible. Again, it's a double-edged sword. I'm giving you a lot of negativity, but I'm also giving you hope in the sense that to the extent we're gaining any traction, we'll go through some of these bills, it's because of our legislative strike force teams on the ground. So again... Arm yourself with the information by going on Amazon, getting the rise of the Fourth Reich by Steve Dace and myself, sending it to your legislator, and then signing up at conaction.network for your legislative strike force team. 
Our other sponsor today is Birch Gold. So again, a government that's willing to kill us is certainly willing to take our money and destroy our dollar. That's why gold is really the vaccine against economic inflation. With $31.4 trillion and counting, and I'm not going to count on Kevin McCarthy to do the right thing with the debt ceiling bill. Now is the time to make that switch. As And, and by the way, right now, as you fill out your taxes, um, I know I'm going to owe money this year. I try to defray it by putting it in an IRA. Well, where are you going to put it in? BlackRock? Fidelity? Vanguard? Schwab? No, put it in something of value. Birch Gold has you covered. If you text Daniel to 989898, they'll send you a free no-obligation info kit beautifully put together explaining exactly how to do it, and then you could take your uh, tax deduction with it. Um, A-plus rating from the Better Business Bureau. They've been around forever. They share our values. Thousands of happy customers. Countless five-star reviews. You can trust Birch Gold today to protect your future that's being destroyed by, by our government. Text Daniel to 989898. All righty. So, again, folks, they just put this on the child immunization schedule. You have to, you have to pinch yourself. Like, what? It... Am I missing something? This, this thing is so deadly. So deadly. Over the weekend, a pre-printed study came out, was put on ResearchGate. It's a pre-print server. The lead author was Dennis Rancourt. He's a former professor of physics at University of Ottawa. He actually is a really good guy, and he butted heads with them over academic lying, you know, over other issues before in the past. And he looked at the he tried to he calculated an age stratified COVID nineteen vaccine dose fatality rate in Israel and Australia. He wants to do it in other countries. I think he did it in India last year too. And he found, I, I want you guys to understand this. When we say the Fourth Reich, when we say the genocide, that there's never been anything this bad. There's nothing more important to rectify. And not only do they not have a problem with it. They're like, yeah, let's let's add this to the child immunization schedule. So there's there's a bunch of jerks that are like, okay, Daniel, um, yeah, maybe we shouldn't give it to children, even though we still are, but the seniors have to get it. And they're conflating the fact that the seniors have a risk from COVID to somehow saying they should get the vaccine. Well, that would only be a, a rationale if the vaccine were somewhat safe and somewhat effective. But because it's ineffective and it is unsafe, it's, I, I've been noting this all along, it's actually worse to give it to seniors. Who is more likely to die from a spike protein? It's the older and, and more frail you are, the more it's a problem. It's more jarring and noticeable when the young people drop dead. But I always predicted there's, we're just cleaning out the nursing homes and even people aren't in them. From day one, this was from the first few months of the vaccine, the Norwegian's Medicines Agency, the equivalent of their FDA, they did a study of the first 100 people to die in a nursing home. All cause. Okay, first 100 people to die, take their names. 10 out of the first 100 they suspected died of the shot, and they could only rule out about half of them. So anyway, this study from Rancourt, he, he noted in Australia... He calculated 1% of all people over 85 who got the shot 
died. And 0.6% over 80. Do you know what do you know what an entire percent is? Either one in a hundred, one in one forty. Do you know how insane that is? Like nutso? There's several hundred million seniors of that age in the world, and you say one percent you cleaned out? One percent. And and what's scary about that is because to me, that's a harbinger of the future. Meaning, it's kind of like, you know, you have a wall. The stronger the wall, the more force it takes to push it over. So let's say it takes X number of force to push over an old rickety wall. Well, it's going to take a little bit more. It's going to take longer for the other, for for the stronger, stronger wall. So, I mean, what he basically shows is that it's actually the older you get, the higher the fatality rate, right? The dose, the vaccine dose fatality rate is in that age cohort. But what that tells me is, is it is that a permanent, a fixed number, or is that over time? Meaning, it's a time thing, that it killed people 85 quicker than it killed people 45. Again, everyone knows this concept. Fauci himself said this. When you have a vaccine, it could even be good, and then 10 to 12 years later, all hell breaks loose. So here, all hell broke loose from day one. What does that mean? But anyway, it's interesting. I've given you two methodologies so far to uh, estimate how many people died so far in the world. One we did based on Michigan State University study extrapolation. I estimated 7.5 million. Another one based on saying that theirs, which so shows about 17,000 U.S. deaths, is underreported by a factor of 26 based on VSAFE shows us that. So if you multiply the U.S. numbers by 26 and then extrapolate for the doses around the world, you get about 7.8 million. 7.8, so the other one is 7.5. If you use their numbers here in this Rankert study, you get about 7 million. So again, three studies pretty nicely in the ballpark. More people than died in the Holocaust. And this is, again, it's very evident that at the minimum, we know from this shot what it causes long-term subclinical myocarditis, all the long-term ailments and diseases and autoimmune, we're going to be dealing with millions and millions more for years to come. Guess what? That paper I checked this morning after one day, it's down. It's down from the server. You can't get it. You could, you could get it archived, but it's down from the server, of course. Welcome to the Fourth Reich. So I just want you to keep that in mind they take everything down. When you start hearing about foreign policy, which to begin with, we never got the story on national security issues. It could be anything. They could be allowing China to do it. They could be making it up. They could be doing it themselves. I don't know. It's serious, no matter what it is. But no matter what it is, it's not as serious as what we know they're doing right in front of our eyes. Fascism. What's the definition of fascism? Merriam-Webster defines it as a regime that exalts nation and often race above the individual, but nation above the individual, and that stands for a centralized autocratic government headed by a dictatorial leader, severe economic and social regimentation, and forcible suppression of the opposition. What greater example could there be of the government forcing a dangerous poison in your body 
and denying human rights based on it, funding it, promoting it, marketing it everywhere, and then absolving it of liability. Honda just came out, by the way, with they, – they put a do not drive warning. The Department of Transportation also um, because there are various versions of – this was like 2001 to 2003. So there aren't that many of them on the road because they're pretty old. Models of Honda Accord, Civic, CRV, Odyssey, Pilot, and Acura have faulty airbags. They suspect they're responsible for killing 30 people globally since 2009 so a 13 a 14-year window 30 people globally this is a two-year window seven to eight million people and then injured severely tens of millions of others and not only is it not taken off the market but now it's going to be an annual shot and now it's on the child immunization schedule why the single most important thing we can do, the single most important thing we can do, and there is no close second, is to fight the liability. It's very simple. Honda's doing this because of liability. See, there's no greater form of fascism than taking a private product and absolving it and shielding it from all natural Market forces and foisting it upon you. In many ways, that's worse than government directly doing it. See, I could go and potentially rail against, I mean, we still have elections-ish to a certain extent, gradually ebbing away, but they still are accountable. Some places, they feel the heat. You could make them feel the heat. They're an elected official. I could rail against that person. I can't elect the CEO of Moderna and Pfizer. I can't deal with DARPA. I can't deal with NIAID. Okay? That's, that's the, the unique American form of fascism that I call venture socialism. We're all happy. Oh, we don't have socialist medicine in America. Yeah, we do. It's worse than that. They take the private entity and they funnel the socialism through them, but absolve them of all market forces. And, and, and they, well, we talked about this last week. They're doing this with green energy. They're doing this with carbon capture. They do this with everything. We don't have a free market. Everyone's like the private sector. But the private sector is worse because the private sector is full of greed. I don't disagree with Elizabeth Warren and Bernie Sanders on that point. But the issue is that if you actually have a free market, not like the system they created, so the problem is, well, how are you going to fund it? How are you going to market it? How are you going to distribute it? How are you going to deal with liability when people get hurt from it? That keeps it in check. But what if government, for, for, first of all, even before that, government creates the market for your product, meaning they say, global warming is going to kill everyone. Oh my gosh, we need green energy. And, or they create a virus, everyone's going to die unless you get a product. So even before they do anything, they created the biggest anti-free market by creating the impetus for your item. Then they fund it, develop it, market it, distribute it, shame, do everything they can, and then absolve it of liability. I just want to read almost in full a beautiful article that just encapsulates this violation of Nuremberg, this fascism, this disgusting Joseph Mengele on steroids, and what we need to and why it's the most important issue. 
And by the way, I understand, you know, they're never going to do it at a federal level, even though I think we need to force a vote in the House. But I'll talk about what we need to do at a, at a state level in a moment. This is William um, Spruance at the Brownstone Institute. Um, he is a he's an attorney, and he wrote a beautiful piece. On February 24th, 1985, the New York Times published Glory Day's End for Pharmaceuticals. The article cited growing comp- competition and legal liabilities as signs that the big drug companies have suddenly found themselves mired in the same sort of troubles that have plagued less glamorous industries for years. So he doesn't mention this, but just keep in mind, it's literally in the backdrop of that era, that year, that they passed the NCVIA, the National Child Vaccination Immunization Act, that absolved them of liability because they felt it was a fledgling industry. How you could justify keeping that 40 years later is insane. What changed from 2000 to 2018? 35 pharmaceutical companies reported cumulative revenue of $11.5 trillion, significantly greater than any other large public companies in the same time frame. Pfizer's annual revenue in 1984 was $3.8 billion. Now it's $100 billion. They made more than half of that this year off of the vaccines and Paxlovid. The federal government purchased more than $25 billion. Furthermore, they paid Moderna $2.5 billion to develop the vaccine, which, again, we know Moderna is the government. It's not even private. It literally is the government. And um, then in February 2020, Dirtbag, Secretary of Health and Human Services under Trump, Alex Azar, invoked his powers under the PrEP Act to provide liability immunity for medical companies in response. He repeatedly amended it, I believe, five times. So now the final amendment expires, ooh, October 2024 for all the other products, but for the vaccines, it's October 2025. So a lot of people think the emergency power ends in just a few months. They're ending the emergency declaration in May, but not the liability. Well, now two ways. A, they're, they're covering it under both. The NCVIA, making a child immunization schedule, but also even the PrEP Act is another uh, two and a half years or so. So they're completely absolved. And this, this attorney here, and it's a great article. I, I'm, you know, I'm upset I didn't bring up this point before. This violates the Seventh Amendment of the Constitution, your right to a jury trial in civil cases. He notes at the time of its ratification, 1791, advocates of the amendment sought to protect the rights of common citizens against commercial powers that would otherwise corrupt the judicial system. And again, this is when they're not being funded and floated and mandated by government. Federal Farmer um, wrote in uh, 1787... The judicial system was essential in every free country. Um, without the protection of the Seventh Amendment, hegemonic forces, the well-born, would wield the power of the judiciary, and they would be generally disposed, and very naturally, too, to favor those in their own description. So they felt, 
See, they felt that the judges would be bought out by them. So now, instead of that, you just have the government. So they, they were scared that even if you did have liability, but if it weren't jury trial, the judges wouldn't give give you a fair shake because they'd be you know well connected as part of the elite ruling class. Now we just have the bureaucrats get together and shield them of liability, so it doesn't even make it to court. The Declaration of Independence listed King George's denial of the benefits of a trial by jury as one of the grievances. And uh, here, we, here we are. Alex Azar absolves them of liability. By the way, as, as you well know, he was the president of the U.S. Division of, of um, Eli Lilly before he, uh, literally, right before he became HHS secretary. Um, Kaiser Health News reported in 2018, nearly 340 former congressional staffers now work for pharmaceutical companies or their lobbying firms. We know a lot of the famous ones. It's just, it, this is unbelievable. And then you look at the lobbying Parma, right? That's the Pharmaceutical Research and Manufacturers of America. Its members obviously include J&J, AstraZeneca, Pfizer, all of them. They spent $85 million on lobbying during the three years of the pandemic, 2020, 2021, 2022, and nearly $250 million over the last decade. That's just that one trade association. If you add up all of the industry lobbying for pharmaceutical and health products... It's about a billion dollars in lobbying. All brought to you by tax payers through that circuitous cycle over the last three years. For context, this is more than five times as much as the commercial banking industry. And it's more than oil, gas, alcohol, gambling, farming, and defense combined. And then, of course, their money on our, on on marketing and, and advertising. Pfizer spent twelve billions on billion on sales and marketing. Um, again, all rewarded, all brought to you by Pfizer. You name me a worse violation of the Nuremberg Code. Facts don't matter anymore. Facts simply don't matter. I mean, in case some of you forgot, we've gone over this before, but now that they're putting this on the child immunization schedule, did you know that in their own trial of six-month-old to, what is this, two years old, okay, that's kind of the, that's the age bracket that we just pound away with needles, Page 42 of their document, Table 21, shows 61% of those babies experience systemic reactions within seven days. More than half, 61%. And I say systemic, so that that rules out pain in the injection site. I'm not talking about pain in the injection site. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about... um, you know, fever, nausea, throwing up, headache, things like that. 
how do you how do you force that on a child? Even if you would think it would foreclose worse illness, which of course it doesn't. But how is that okay? How are we okay with forcing any product, even if there is liability? But certainly the fact that there isn't. And then people forget this. I wrote about it at the time. Did you know that one in 77 is 1.4%? It's in their chart. It's 1.4%. Had severe adverse events. And, and one of the things that Aaron Siri so so um articulately gives over is that, you know, the, these shots were given to everyone and first actually older people. So you could see, oh my gosh, you know, I, I just don't feel the same. I just don't feel, you know, a person knows their body. It's not scientific, but more often than not, a person gets their body right. When a person pegs, you know, ever since this happened, I just don't feel right. But a baby and a toddler, and that's really, you know, these other shots when we jam them with it, they don't have a voice to really say, yeah, I mean, you could see if they have a heart attack or whatever, but, you know, when these gradual things, you know, these these autoimmune, and especially if there's no baseline because they never lived without it, you don't know. How How is there not an immediate emergency? I mean, taking these shots off the market and hanging the people who did this, that's like, that doesn't even need to be said, but to go through and audit one after another, but until we do that, how you could even have a concept of a child immunization schedule and how you can mandate all these things that they're absolved of liability. I can't think of anything more fascistic, more genocidal, but also more tyrannical. Again, if government can and is willing to do this to you and legally can do it to you, what can they not do to you? They can invite the Chinese to invade us. That's not even a big deal. It's not even a jump. This is quite literally the worst thing they can do. This is crazy. Absolutely nuts. One in 77. You know what that is? Remember, they want to make this universal that every single baby born. Do you know what 1.4% is? When we start talking about one Half a percent, one percent, two percent, either of death or severe injury. And then again, when you know there's that and you see the, you know, half them having like short term minor injuries. Wait a minute. How do you know that's not festering? And of course we do with the subclinical myocarditis, the diabetes, the cancers, all sorts of autoimmune. You know, again, I'm not going to comment any further other than. I'm only going to say because he said it publicly. Evidently, Mark Levin said on his show last week that he suspects he's he's having trouble breathing or shortness of breath, and and he suspects that uh, um, I think in his words the COVID booster that he got uh, did that based on the timing, and he's going for uh, different diagnostics. So you know this is the type of thing that again a baby or a toddler cannot really give that over. You wouldn't necessarily know that. I mean, Aaron Siri is just a freaking all-star. That guy is unbelievable. What a what a what an amazing human being. Putting himself out there, his career. By the way, is a very impressive career. He could have been a very respected lawyer, not going into this, and been very good at it, but he gave it all up. And again, he noted 
I, I, I mean, it's the biggest thing. I feel like it's one of my biggest regrets in my entire life. My kids in the hospital, they just go grab it and give you that happy shot. It's an STD. So um, Aaron in his, uh, so, so Aaron's the attorney for ICANN. That's Del Big Tree's group. And ICANN's done terrific work. And ICANN, um, basically, ICANN sent letters back and forth with HHS requesting information about the Hep B shot. And guess what happened? They didn't deny their claims. Contrary to statements made on page two of your letter, many pediatric vaccines have been investigated in clinical trials that included a placebo. Do you see what they just said? So their accusation is that the hep B shot has no placebo group. That's a pretty crazy thing when you have a standard thing. We're not talking about something on the market. We're not talking about a drug. We're talking about there's nothing like this in all of medicine like vaccines, that we make that a standard of your writ of passage to exist as a human being and go to school and that every pediatrician is going to harass you and maybe kick you out of office, you have to get as a schedule. How many things in your life are mandated as a schedule that you must get in your life? Almost nothing. How many things are mandated on your body like that? And yet they admit it as though they say they make a straw man as if they said no vaccine ever produced has a placebo control. So they said many pediatric vaccines have a placebo control. Oh, okay. And then they say inert placebo controls are not required to understand the safety profile of a new vaccine. And thus not required. In some cases, inclusion of a placebo control group is considered unethical. And this is what they're starting to say. And they said this with COVID too. You see, this stuff is so safe and effective that it's unethical to give someone the placebo and not the thing because they need the thing because it's so great. Well, how do you know it's so great if there's no placebo? Because we know. Shut up. This is crazy. When was the Hep B vaccine created? I mean, it's it's been around forever. What is it like? At least... um. Let me see when this is. I should know this, but I don't. The first one was approved in 1981. I'm not sure when this became, um, you know, worldwide. It became more popular recently, obviously. But, um, happy. Been around forever. I didn't know this. Did you know this? I never knew that um, it never never had a placebo control group and they followed up on the kids for five days. And we went, went along with all this. Yet forgetting, forget about getting the legislators to have curiosity to peel back on the other fraud, which we typically do historically. Once you have a cathartic event like this, you peel back. They won't even reverse what we know in our face on the COVID shots. Disgusting people. And then they say here, where is this? Data relied upon in licensing infant use of hepatitis B vaccine is summarized in the respective package inserts. <laughs> Which, in the package insert, it says exactly what um, Aaron Siri says. 
How could that happen? How could we have allowed that to go on? So disgusting. None of us knew any of this. So folks, what do we do about it? What do we do about this situation? So first of all, as I noted, we got to fight in Congress to raise awareness, even to have a vote, to get people on record. No indemnity for vaccine companies. That's number one. Okay, what do states do? You know, states can't get rid of that. But what states can do is say, okay, we can't impose liability on the manufacturers. But we can state that at a minimum, anything that does have indemnity, this nobody is able to ever, ever mandate it. How could you argue on the proposition that something that is promoted by government and absolved of liability that they shouldn't, at a minimum, not mandate it. Now, really, it should go a step further. They should be on the hook for liability. I wrote such a bill in North Dakota. North Dakota HB 1406. It, it's going to the full House floor today. It got a do not pass recommendation, 9 to 4. Do not pass in North Dakota. Because the Republicans are a bunch of animalistic dogs. Um, we'll see what happens. I doubt it will pass. But my bill was watered down. I wanted to say, look, two steps. Anything that doesn't have liability cannot be mandated. And number two, anything, so you can't mandate it, and anything that you want to promote, that the State Department of Health promotes, recommends, distributes, markets, or funds, they must be on the hook. The Department of Health must pay for injury. Simple proposition, number code. Simple proposition. So even that got watered down. So we had to make it that basically those two provisions are, first of all, the, that the, you cannot mandate is only the government. Okay, so it does cover schools, which is important, but it's not private. And number two, it's not all vaccines because all, all, all the childhood vaccines are not covered for liability. Um, but it's only we got written into it the way we got it was COVID shots or mRNA. So at least that we're going to get most of the future ones. Um, that's how we had it written. And you know what? Unless God intervenes, I don't think even that's going to pass. And that's the only state that I'm even getting a vote on such a thing. Nowhere else could I even get a vote for it. This is the sort of work that we're going to have to work in these legislative teams again and again throughout the year to prepare for next legislative session. By the way, just in North Dakota, just to go through some of the bills that we, we have there, we did have North Dakota 1111, which banned international health regulations being applied to North Dakota. It passed 78 to 12 along party lines. So you see, again, when you try and you push and you push and you push, some things will eventually get the lower level bills. But that just shows that you've got to push for it. You'll get nothing. We wouldn't have even gotten that had we not pushed it. Next thing is um, we have two bills out. North Dakota HB 1207, it forces them to publish vaccine injury on the website. That actually did pass committee. And then North Dakota Senate Bill 2384. 
That was originally Senator Jeff Magrum's bill, if you remember, to ban mRNA, and I knew that wouldn't happen. So we got a study, at least, that they have to study mRNA and RSV shots. It passed 26 to 24. Even the study, we barely passed in a chamber with only, like, three Democrats left. Split the Republicans in half. By the way, on another issue, we talked about carbon capture. So you would think we would say, okay, like, you can't steal people's property, right? You can't steal people's property for carbon capture? Well... NDSB 2212, banning eminent domain for carbon capture pipelines, failed committee 5 to 1. So there you have it. Another important thing in South Dakota, HB 1235 on Tuesday, um, it will have its hearing to make COVIDVax conscience exemption. So to put a conscience exception in South Dakota... And another one is SB-125 to make no new child vaccines. So again, at least we're staunching the bleeding. Like we can't even hope. You're, it's, like, it's like you're a Holocaust denier. You're a terrible person if you dare try to look into the previous shots. Meanwhile, we have right in our face that there was no control group. Half of the shots already on the mar- on the market before you even get fancy just prima facie, have problems either with the rationale, the safety, or the efficacy, or all three. This goes in as a standard to every human being born. And it's like, shut up, mind your own business. That's a medical issue. How do we allow this to go on? How do we allow this to go on? It is truly disgusting. And again, folks, this is not like some sort of conspiracy theory. This is all over the news. K-H-O-N-2 in, uh, where is this, in Hawaii. Um, heart attacks on dramatic rise for 25 to 44 age group. Talk about this study published in the Journal of Medical Virology by the Schmidt Heart Institute at Cedars Sinai Medical Center. Researchers discovered the overall heart attacks increase for all age groups since the onset of the pandemic. They make it very, oh, it's the pandemic. But the second year of the pandemic, it increased by 20% for those 45 to 64 and nearly 30% for those. 25 to 44. There are several potential explanations for the rapid rise in cardiac deaths in patients with COVID-19. So right away they go to COVID. But here's the problem. We have a study out from Scandinavian countries published in BMJ uh, a couple weeks ago that there's almost five times more myocarditis from the shot than from the virus, and it's a 10 to 1 ratio in younger people. So if you're going to say that some of the heart issues are being caused by COVID, then by a factor of 10, it's being caused by the vaccine for obvious reasons. And by the way, that study is very flawed. It's a lot more than a 10 to 1 ratio because the Israel study showed showed almost no measurable myocarditis and sudden heart attacks in um, from people who have the have COVID. Those are people that couldn't breathe from from the cytokine storm so they die acute acutely from acute covid 
in the ICU as a progression of the disease. It's not like you don't suddenly die of a heart attack, you know, when you, when you don't have the virus and you're not sick with it. Um, it and, and also, it only captured those diagnosed in hospitals, not died suddenly. So think about it. Among those who died of heart in the hospital, yeah, but we're not talking about that. We're, we're, we're talking about the sudden deaths when they don't have COVID. They, so they're, that study roped in. We, we know, everyone agrees that the people ultimately died 100% of COVID. A lot of them died of, of cardiac. That, that's obvious. That's not what we're measuring here. In terms of those who die suddenly of a heart attack without any signs of having COVID, it's not 10 to 1. It's like a million to 1 more the shot than COVID. And again, we already know from the University of Heidelberg study that 20% of sudden post-vaccination deaths that they autopsied are due to myocarditis. Oh, and one more thing I forgot to mention. That study was before Omicron, the, the Scandinavian study. Now with Omicron, which has been around for the last, you know, 14 months or so, all those deaths, zero of them could be from COVID because there's no evidence that Omicron causes cardiac issues. There's no evidence of that. Keep that in mind. It's a very important point a lot of people forget. When we're talking about the here and now in the past year, what's been going on, you're talking about Omicron. Any evidence of heart problems with COVID and people died of heart, that was pre-Omicron. It doesn't, it doesn't do the same things to you. So this is all, all of that is a lie. We know exactly where these sudden deaths are coming from. I feel like we're living a nightmare. Everyone's like, oh, are the aliens invading with these balloons? I'm thinking, we have worse than the aliens. Heck, I'll take the aliens over our own government. I'd embrace the aliens. What more are they going to do to us? But how this could be placed on the child vaccination schedule. And we don't do anything about it. And guess what? Remember that GOP Congress. Oh my gosh, it was so important that they take over Congress and they fight for us. Guess what, my friends? They're now out for two and a half weeks. They left Thursday and they'll be gone until two weeks from today. Maybe there will be some hearings but there's no floor activity for two freaking weeks. Why? Why? Just pathetic. The Senate's in session. The Senate's horrible. The House was like our only chance to fight back. And now they're gone. So, that's what we have to fight for. But folks... We can't even get this stuff passed in red states. Red states, a no mandate of something that killed more people than in the Holocaust. Some studies have shown 17% of recipients suffer neurological symptoms. And we can't even just get a clean no mandate bill. Even of just the COVID shots. And that's what we're living in. An era where no matter how much information and truth and morality and legality come out, the policies don't change. Um, Steve Dace was saying how he was listening to the Auburn, um, or maybe he was at it, he was at the Auburn basketball game. 
throughout the time, the Department of Health of Alabama, not CDC, Department of Health of Alabama, they were running half-court ads for the ineffective and poisonous shots. And how do we have that? The answer is because we only have one field, one team on the field. You know, I didn't watch the Super Bowl. I'm done with the gay NFL and the black national anthem and whatever else they do and the transhumanist satanic um, halftime rituals that they seem to have the last 20 years. I don't even understand why anyone's attracted to that, but whatever. But, you know, you you had a very evenly matched game between the Chiefs and the Eagles. Very, you know, very exciting, evenly matched game. I wish we had a team on the field like that. But, folks, I'll leave you with a comforting thought. From the first month or so of the legislative sessions and working with our legislative teams that we set up free, an organization not funded by a dime, all volunteer. I'm volunteering. You guys are volunteering. We get commensurate to what we fight for. If there's no team on the field, we get nothing. If we get a little bit, we start to get kind of, you know, watered down bills. And and again, it's not it's not a rip on our teams. We're just starting. We don't have that money and the energy in the organization. You have it, you get it. And that's why you see like the few issues they pay attention to are the ones we have a robust movement. The tranny stuff now, and certainly the abortion stuff. You have this whole school choice thing, which again is you got to be careful. It's a double-edged sword. At some point, I want to get to that. The astroturfing with um, Sam Wharton and Jeb Bush and some ESG folks pushing it. Why they're pushing it? What they're suddenly so concerned with private schools? Got to watch out to make sure they're not getting their meat hooks into private schools. I do support even treatment, but I personally do believe a t- just a simple tax credit on your taxes is a better idea than creating a whole system and program through the Department of Education to start indulging private schools. I just don't like it. And I and I think where it's coming from and where it's headed, it has too much support. I hate to be cynical, you know, but conservatives, we can't have nice things. This thing has so much support behind it, it doesn't make any sense. Um, and I think there's a lot of people pushing it for for hundred percent the right reasons, but but I am worried about where it's coming from, where it's headed. But that's what's taking up these legislative sessions. But it tells me that if only we can get ourselves organized, that's the difference between a red state and a blue state. You leave them to their own devices, they're just as bad. And we're seeing that. But because our voters do constitute a clear majority, if you allure the people's will upon them. It does make a difference. So join the ConAction teams, ConAction.network. Again, I'm still looking for a team leader. So if you're familiar with legislators, legislative process, and you are and you have the time and acumen, it's, it's a tough job to organize on my behalf. You can be in my kitchen cabinet. We're going to make weekly meetings. Um, but you could really do what you want. I give guidance, but it's your team. I give you the names of everyone who signs up through ConAction.network. We need a team in uh, Idaho, South Dakota, Kansas, Oklahoma, Texas, Arkansas, Mississippi in particular, Louisiana would be a good one to have, North Carolina would be a good one to have. Those are just a few. So again, let me know if you want to be a team leader and you're serious about it, 
Send me a little bit about yourself, Daniel Hurwitz at startmail.com. And again, I beg of you guys, we have to raise the prominence of Nuremberg 2. It's not just a trial. We, I'm dead serious. We deserve a trial. We deserve trials and executions. But part of the trial is you guys rendering your verdict through the form of activism and demanding that legislative change. And I lay out that blueprint in the book in addition to all the stories of what happened. Rise of the Fourth Reich. Again, get it now and you'll be able to get it you know, within a day or two. So now's the time to go get it on Amazon. Rise of the Fourth Reich. Confronting COVID fascism with the Nuremberg trial it deserves. Folks, this is going to be a busy week for all of us. Until tomorrow, God bless you all and thank you for listening. 